I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Unbelievable. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Unbelievable. Rumors are out on July 22nd, the day before the regular season is due to begin. Rumors are everywhere that Mookie Betts, the new acquisition for the Los Angeles Dodgers, is negotiating and finalizing a mega deal. They're saying 350 to $400 million, more than 10 years. Everyone's excited. It's a Twitter storm. This means that all the best free agents now will be signed. It means all the owners are doing great, and it was all BS that they've lost money during the pandemic. Great for baseball, great for the Dodgers, great for everyone, except Red Sox fans, of course. Could it be true? I think it's unbelievable. Why, I ask you, are the Los Angeles Dodgers ready to sign Mookie Betts today? Today. Well, on one side, you want to get any extensions done before the regular season starts. I don't agree with negotiating with players during the course of a season. It's distracting to both the front office and to the player and to the clubhouse because the player talks to all of his teammates. Hey, they, they upped their offer by $10 million. Hey, I got another year. And then you've got jealousy and you've got snipping and snapping and biting and booming. So I get that the Dodgers would want to get it done. Regular season opens for them tomorrow, home against the posyless Giants. The other factor, the Giants, not the Giants, other factor, three, two, one. The other factor is the Dodgers acquired Mookie Betts thinking they'd get one year. They traded away, as you recall, Alex Verdugo, Jeter Downs, and they got one year of Betts. But then it was down to 60 games with the chance that it's zero. Maybe they won't be having a postseason. So then the Dodgers said, why did we make this trade? So what I've done over the course of my career way too many times, you make a mistake, you compound the mistake by making another mistake. It's the old adage, two wrongs don't make a right. What is the rush for the Dodgers? Here's how this plays out. Let's just pretend that the pandemic ends two weeks from yesterday. Fans are back in the stands. Everything's back to normal. It's all good. In that case, the Dodgers are in a position right now where they've got quite a few contracts coming off their books over the next two years, whether it's David Price. Remember, they're paying $16 million a year for Price for the next two years, but they did save money this year, about $6 million because Price opted out. The free agent signing, A.J. Pollock, he'll come off the books. Justin Turner, in theory, will come off the books. Clayton Kershaw, in theory, will come off the books. But who will come on the books? Well, you've got your own player, Bellinger. Yes, the MVP, Bellinger. And how about your future ace, Walker Bueller? 
all of those guys will get older and they will then need to be paid. So are you choosing that you are going to build your team around Bellinger and Betts and Bueller? Those could be three $300 million players. Well, the Yankees have Stan as a $300 million player. They have Cole as a $300 million player. Do the Yankees have a third $300 million player? Let me think. Okay, no. So what payroll do the Dodgers need to be at in order to have bets at $35 million? Does it make sense? In circumstances, I would say yes. Build around him. But here's why not today. They don't know him. They haven't lived with him yet. Yes, they went through a spring training part one. Yes, they went through a spring training part two. But why sign an acquisition before he has played with you, before you've gotten to live with him? I hearken back to many, many moons ago when the Detroit Tigers traded for Dontrell Willis and immediately signed him to an extension and rued the day. He hadn't pitched an inning for them. There are teams that do this time and time again, and they get burnt more often than they don't. Everyone's going to be all excited about this signing when it happens. The commissioner is going to be thrilled. He's in favor of this signing, even though he'll say privately, maybe he's not. Publicly, he has to say, this is great for the game. It shows that free agency is going to be okay as we move forward into a collective bargaining negotiation at the end of 2021. Other owners are going to be despondent as they always are when a player comes off the board at such a high price because now there's already pressure on the Philadelphia Phillies and their owner, John Middleton, to sign JT Realmuto, who's going to be a free agent, when the prudent thing to do was to wait, not just for the season to end, but to see what happens next offseason, to see whether or not fans are allowed back in the parks, to see what's happening with revenue. I just can't believe it. It's unbelievable. I don't know why bets will be signed. Will he actually be signed? Will this deal get done? My experience tells me when all these rumors start, when there's smoke, there's fire. There's a lot that would need to get done to paper a deal like that. They could have been working on it this entire spring training part two. And from Betts' standpoint, by the way, let's not ignore Betts' standpoint. You think he doesn't want to take the 350? He's taking it so fast, your head will spin. It's funny, the Dodgers are in the news because they're in the news because they're thinking of giving $350 million one direction. But in the other direction, they're doing things to not pay a player what that player could deserve. How do I feel about that? I like it. I like it a lot. Gavin Lux is a rookie of the year contender. He will not win rookie of the year because he's not on the team. Gavin Lux, remember the Dodgers second baseman? He got a bunch of postseason at-bats. Unbelievable player. Everyone wanted him, and no one and the Dodgers would not trade him. Well, it turns out that Gavin Lux did not make the 30-man roster. Not 28-man roster, not 26-man roster, not 25-man roster, 30 men. That's the COVID roster for the first two weeks of this season. Gavin Lux isn't one of the top 30 Dodgers? Of course he is. What could be another reason that the Dodgers would send Gavin Lux to the minor leagues? Hold on. We're going to take a minute. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. Well, maybe he had a bad spring training part two. No. Maybe he has a sort of a hitch in his swing. 
No. Oh, he must not be ready defensively. Bad glove. Uh, it's no. Wait, there's one more thing. It'll come to me. Service time manipulation. Yes. S T M. Give me an S. Give me a T. Give me an M. I love service time manipulation because it's within the rules and it saves millions of dollars, not $35 million a year that they're thinking of giving to Mookie Betts or whatever the average annual value will be of that unbelievable deal that is being rumored. But by sending Gavin Lux down to the minor leagues, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, there are no minor leagues. You don't send a player down to the minor leagues. There's a 90% chance that Coca does not have the mute button on, and I just heard him get a text with his new fancy soundboard and microphone. It may not be true, but it may be true. It will be fascinating whether or not Coca admits that the noise that we just heard on the show, that he's not going to edit out because we don't edit anything out, is someone texting him or G-chatting him or C-chatting him or K-chatting him. So Gavin Lux being sent to the minor leagues? Nope. There's no minor leagues. Now, he can go to their camp, their development camp, but it's not like he's going to play games. He'll have a bunch of inter-squad games like they've been doing for spring training 2.0. You're sending him down saying he's got to work on this, work on that. No, just stand up and say it if you're the Dodgers. Come on, Andrew Friedman. I know you're better than that. Just say it. I know you can't because it's against the rules. I always wanted to say it when we were sending players down for service time manipulation. I just wanted to be honest with everyone and say, yeah, of course we're doing that. Who wouldn't do that? But we were never allowed to admit it. Although I'm nothing personal. I've admitted every player we did that to, and there were many, because it's the rules. If players don't like it, and I spoke to players about this all the time, players would approach me in the clubhouse very often and talk about service time manipulation, one of their biggest issues. And I would simply say, negotiate in the next collect bargain agreement. Make it your issue. Instead of extra seats on the bus or extra food in the kitchen or extra off days or more travel days or earlier start times, make service time an issue for you. Anyway, they never did. Maybe this next collective bargain agreement, they will. But as far as I'm concerned, if something's within the rules, I'm doing it. So I like that the Dodgers are doing it. Does it create an interesting dichotomy that they're saving money in one spot and spending money in the other? No, that's called business. That's what people do. You take resources, you take it from one pocket, you put it in another, you spend it on X instead of Y, you make decisions. You put your payroll out two, three, four, five years, you're making decisions now, who you're going to keep, who you're not going to keep. That is how you inform your on-field decisions. Gavin Lux, not on the Dodgers. Mookie Betts, maybe on the Dodgers forever. I got a story for you. How many times was I in a room negotiating a contract on the phone with a player, with an agent, and the player said, I want to play here, and I want to make sure that we can have a winning team because I want to win, and I'll do whatever it takes. And I would always say, what does that mean? Explain to me. So you think on another team, you'd get $10 million a year, but on this team, you're willing to take $7 million a year. As long as we take the other $3 million 
that you were worth and we signed someone else for $3 million. That never happens. It's out of the question, literally out of the question. I hear it constantly. Players saying, I want what's best for the team. No, they don't. There's a scene in broadcast news, a great movie written and directed by James Brooks, starring Holly Hunter, William Hurt, and Albert Brooks. No relation to James Brooks. Jack Nicholson plays the network reporter, the head honcho, the network anchor. Picture like the national news anchor, like the Dan Rather, Walter Crankite, Peter Jennings, Lester Holt, those guys, the people. So the... There's a cut happening at the network. People are being fired and let go. And which happens, right? It happens. So Jack Nicholson makes his appearance in the movie. And someone says, Jack Nicholson says, wow, this is hard. This is hard. I just, I want to tell you all that I'm here for you. And someone says to Jack Nicholson, the head anchor says, well, I know something you can do. You could take a small pay cut, which would pay for every single person who's being fired. Jack Nicholson looks into the camera, looks away, gives that sort of Batman-like smirk and moves right along. At the end of the day, people do what's in their best interest. That is how capitalism works. That's how the world keeps spinning on its axis. Now, players can say and owners can say, we say things all the time. You've heard us talk about things when we were with the Marlins. You hear executives and players saying things now. Everything is about saying the right thing. If you say the wrong thing, you've got to spin it right. If you can't spin it right, you have to spin it longer. And you don't stop until people have the next crisis. It's a good rule of crisis PR is hope to God there's another crisis that comes quickly. Mookie Betts signing this deal is just shocking to me if it does get signed. Is he leaving money on the table? No, not even close. But this comes two weeks after the biggest deal ever. Although I don't even know whether it's been two weeks, Coca. It may be five days. It may be two months. I can't remember. But at some point recently, Patrick Mahomes signed that huge 10-year extension with the Kansas City Chiefs, guaranteeing him only $140 million, which I explained, but the possibility of making half a billion dollars, making it, quote-unquote, maybe the biggest deal ever signed. Not really. Above Trout, not really. Trout's money's guaranteed at 426. Mookie Betts, whatever he signs for, will be guaranteed completely. But Pat Mahomes, it's football. It's not guaranteed. That's how it goes. It's not part of the collective bargaining agreement. Players do not get full guarantees. Now, why do I have Mookie Betts and Patrick Mahomes in the same conversation? Well, a couple of days ago, there was a big signing for the Chiefs. His name is Chris Jones. Never heard of him. It's okay. He's a defensive tackle. He signed a four-year, $80 million extension. Four years, $80 million. Now, you're asking the right question. How much of that is guaranteed? The answer is $37 million. But it's a four-year, $80 million extension. Do you know what Chris Jones said he said that he got a text from Patrick Mahomes when Patrick Mahomes signed his deal with the Chiefs saying, hey, I left some on the table so you could sign. 
when I saw that, my eyes almost popped out of my head. It li- they literally did. It, it was like uh, Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger when his eyes get so big when there's no oxygen, when they fall out of the, on Mars, they fall out of the air plant where they get the oxygen and then their eyes bulge out of their head. I can't even do it. I'm trying to do it. If you're listening to this, you can't tell, but my fingers are on my eyelids and I'm trying really hard to have my eyes bulge out. So let me see how this negotiation went down. Patrick Mahomes, his agent, maybe Patrick Mahomes, maybe Patrick Mahomes Sr. They're sitting down and they say to the Chiefs, well, we're looking at an extension. Yeah, we're going to want the highest guarantee ever, but not too high because we got to make sure that you save a few shekels to sign Chris Jones because I want to be on a winning team. Now, Patrick Mahomes could have said, I want offensive line because I want to be protected. How about a good left tackle, a right tackle, someone to protect my blind side? Although with Patrick Mahomes, he has no blind sides because he's Patrick Mahomes. But no, we want a good defense. We want to keep winning rings because remember, Patrick Mahomes gets an extra $1.25 million every time they reach the Super Bowl. Once the extension starts, do you actually believe that Mahomes left money on the table, that he was offered more? He said, no, 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 pass. It's enough. Die anu, it's enough. Whatever you were going to give me, I'm very appreciative. Give it to someone else. When we did some long-term deals, we had players say, can you just say that you're going to be good and that this contract is not going to stop you? from building a winning team and being competitive because that's all I care about. I want to win. I want to be competitive year in and year out. Well, unless you're the Yankees and the Dodgers, it's very hard to be competitive year in, year out. In football, it's impossible. The Patriots have done it. Will the Chiefs be the next Patriots? It seems very unlikely. Call me when Mahomes has, how many does Brady have? Six? I forget this every time. Call me when Mahomes gets to three and then we'll start worrying about Brady. I was just taken aback by it. I wanted to talk about it with you on Nothing Personal because to me, this is the ultimate business that someone has. And the ultimate business is getting what they want the most they can at the time they can get it. Mookie bets this was the most he thought he could get. So he's signing with the Dodgers. He doesn't want to test free agency. I don't blame him. The Dodgers are one of two or three teams who could go to that amount of money. But there's plenty of room to sign Bellinger and Bueller. Those are two Dodgers, by the way. Don't worry. Moving on. Big hire in football. Everyone hold on to your hats. The Washington Redskins. I said it. Coca. All right. Time. Edit. I'm not going to be on the show saying Redskins. Because that's not their name. Three, two, one. The National Football League team located in Washington, D.C. made a hire yesterday, and I needed to discuss it on Nothing Personal because I want to tell you how this happened, why this happened. It is so transparent to me. Daniel Snyder, the owner of the team, had an opening and hired a woman named Julie Donaldson. Julie Donaldson will now be their senior VP of media. Let me be very clear before I continue. I don't know Julie Donaldson. She may be the most qualified individual for whatever job it is that she's been hired to do. 
she may add value to an organization that no one else could possibly provide. Those are my provisos. This isn't about Julie. I just have one question for Julie and her agent. Are you aware that you were hired because you're a woman and that the Washington National Football League team located in Washington, D.C. is going through one of the great sexual harassment crises in team league history where the owner has to find a way to get through this because he's not selling his team. He doesn't want his limited partners to sell their shares. He wants to keep his corporate base, which, by the way, was going to run from him if he didn't change the name of his team. And as soon as he agreed to change the name, out came the fact that his entire system, his entire front office is nothing but a cesspool of male chauvinists. And then he hired you. If I'm Daniel Snyder, it's not even a question. Page four, section two, paragraph one, sentence three of the crisis PR handbook states, always immediately after a crisis in human resources, show your fans and sponsors that you have learned and will act differently going forward. Fix it starting now. You're accused of being racist, you hire a black coach. You're accused of being sexist, you bring in a woman. You have a sexual harassment claim from top to bottom, you bring in a strong woman who says that I'm part of the answer. I agreed to work for the Washington National Football League team located in D.C. I knew what I was getting into, and I'm not going to stand for that, and I'm going to make sure that no one else has to. I get that. If you're Julie Donaldson, you agree to that because, A, if you're smart, you have now been overpaid by a factor of one and a half. You are going to be hired under any scenario. Use the new power you have and make sure you actually get it. Because nine times out of ten, do you know what happens? These transparent token hires do not get the power they were promised. They don't get the responsibility they were promised. They are siphoned away, siloed away, and it was all done for PR. I hope Julie does not let that happen to her. But with the National Football League team located in Washington, D.C., you never know what comes next. Time to sell. Who wants to sell a team? Raise your hand if you want to sell a team. Makes sense, right? The Minnesota Timberwolves are apparently up for sale. Announced yesterday, Glenn Taylor, the longtime owner, he bought the team in 1995. He's won how many rings? I don't think he's won any rings. I don't think the Timberwolves have won a world championship. Just kidding. Of course they haven't. He's in a city that has been... Uh, shall we say it's gotten quite a bit of attention for quite a few things that are nightmares. You remember that's, of course, George Floyd, all of the riots, the defunding of the police. Now Glenn Taylor announces he's selling, and he said he wants $1.2 billion. 
I sent him an email saying that I'm available if he wants to hire me to be helpful. So Glenn Taylor said, it's very important to me, though, that whoever buys the team doesn't move the team. Hmm. Why is he saying that? Oh, I know why. I was thinking about this when I read about Glenn Taylor. When you're selling your asset, here's what you don't say. You don't say, I want to sell you this. And by the way, if you don't like where it is, I don't want you to move it. Let's pretend you're buying a farm. I know you want to buy this farm, and I agree. It rains way too much, and my corn doesn't get really high, and I try to have berries, but there's get a lot of scarecrows because we've got birds and blackbirds and whatever. I really want to say something more clever than whatever. What's another crop killer? Foxes, wolves. But by the way, you can't move your farm, but I want a premium. Why would you do that? You'd say, hey, I'm selling my farm. This farm has been underperforming because of me. Get rid of me and you can farm until your heart's delight. We are the best place for corn. Yeah, my corn has sucked before, but it's going to be amazing now. I haven't seen one animal. I had to kill one animal like 10 years ago, but there's nothing. And the berries we grow, oy, you have no idea. And there's a chance if you dig deeper, there's a chance you're going to find gold. I want $1.2 billion for the farm. That's how you sell something. Sound familiar? Derek? Anybody? Instead, Glenn Taylor goes the other way. He says, listen, I'm sure you'd want to move the team because who wouldn't want to move the team? Because, man, we suck. We don't make money. We have no chance to make money. Our city's struggling. But I got to get out. But please pay 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, 1.5 billion. But no, no, I'm going to make sure that you don't move the team. Well, here's a little special surprise. How do you make sure that someone doesn't move something once they buy it? There's only one way to do it. One way. It has to be in an already existing agreement the way the Marlins' inability to relocate is in an existing agreement that a new owner is assuming. All the talk about the new owners of the Marlins moving them out because no one goes to games, that was all horse hockey. Why? Because there's an agreement in place. It's called a non-relocation agreement between the team and the county and the city, which says the Marlins cannot be moved. And the new owner of the Marlins was assuming that agreement, which means it's as though they had signed the agreement with the county and the city. Ergo, QED, the Marlins aren't moving. Done. They're going to suffer or thrive in Miami at Marlins Park. Or should I call it UBS Park? I'm just kidding. UBS. A $400 million naming rights deal in Brooklyn? I'm so jealous I can't even see straight. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. So, Glenn Taylor, non-relocation agreement, does he have it? No. Okay, second way. You put in the purchase agreement when you're negotiating a deal with a potential purchaser that by purchasing as part of the agreement, you agree that you will not move the team out of Minnesota for X years. It can't be in perpetuity. You can't say forever. You put a timeline on it, timeline on it, I wanted to say that's the rule against perpetuities, but it's not. That's something you have to learn in law school, that you learn it, you pass the bar, then you never use it again. Have you ever had that in school where you had to learn something that you knew you didn't need to put in long-term memory, you just needed it in short-term memory, and then once you took the test, you took it out of short-term memory, replaced it with something else? That's the rule against perpetuities. So, 
Glenn Taylor could put in any deal that he wants to keep the team in Minnesota, but why would he do that? That would have a quashing impact on the total price because he wants to be good Minnesota in Minnesota in. I think it's Minnesota in. Why? I wouldn't do that. I want to get the most money I can for the asset. Listen, if someone else wants to move the team, let them be the bad guy. I just had another moment right at the tip of my tongue. What's the name of the owner who moved the team out of Brooklyn? Branch Rickey. Branch Rickey moved out of Brooklyn into Los Angeles. Art Modell out of Cleveland into Baltimore. Major League Baseball expos into Washington. Relocation happens. Teams don't work. The Sonics moved into Oklahoma City. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that Minnesota would lose its professional basketball team. But Glenn Taylor has to come out and say what he said. The proof will be in the pudding. Is it going to be in the agreement? Until I see the provision when the team is sold, I'm not going to believe it. Even at the opening press conference, show me the agreement. Who's going to be at that press conference with Glenn Taylor? Could it be Kevin Garnett? Kevin Garnett went public, obviously. Rule number one. Rule number one. If you want to buy a team, shut up. Kevin Garnett said on social media, of course, I'm part of one of the groups trying. He wrote his fingers crossed and his hands in a prayer. He said, Lord, please let my group get this. Well, this is Lord talking, Kevin. My suggestion to you, if you want your prayers answered, is to bid the most money. This is the Lord signing off because I'm really busy trying to fix stuff. I never got that. The Lord's not going to help get the Timberwolves, Kevin. It's just not. He's not. She's not. It's not. You've got to outbid the Wilf family. They're a real family. They own the Minnesota Vikings. And they are the favorites to buy the team because they want a monopoly in Minnesota. Do you blame them? Wouldn't it? It's great to own all the teams. Think about the pressure and the difference you can make in the community. Think about the money to be made. And don't forget, Kevin, about the 1% rule. Hold on. Let's ask the Lord. Lord, can we get rid of that 1% rule in the NBA? Kevin, I told you, outbid. And remember, you have to put in 1% because that's the rules of the NBA. And there's nothing I can do about it. You got to own 1% of a team. The team goes for 1-2. Do the math quickly, Coco. What is it? Yeah, 12 mil. All right, but that's franchise valuation enterprise, not equity. Is it possible Kevin Garnett has enough? It's already been rumored that he doesn't have enough. He does have enough. He made this. He made that. Stop counting other people's money because you're going to be wrong 99 out of 100 times. What's going to happen with the T-Wolves? Well, that was the so you want to talk to Samson question. The question was, can the team be forced to stay in Minnesota? Well, thanks for asking that question. And the answer is maybe. Okay, I was talking about the UBS deal, and I've got a correction intra-show. 
UBS is a bank. It's a Swiss bank. Yes. Hold your applause. It's a Swiss bank and they're doing a deal to name the new arena. And I said it's in Brooklyn. And what Coca is telling me is that it's in Long Island. And it's in the Belmont area, which is near Belmont Park, where the horse racing is. And that is considered Long Island. The Islanders are building an NHL-only facility, but it's not NHL-only. So when they call it that, please ignore that. It's actually going to have concerts, circuses, other events like that. I don't know why I said circus. I think Barnum Bailey's out of business. Does Barnum Bailey still tour? I always felt guilty laughing at the elephants. I loved it, right? But they're so mean to them, aren't they? In any case. So UBS did this huge naming rights deal. It was announced today. It was negotiated. UBS is a bank and they put so much money. And the reason I got so jealous is that I tried to get a naming rights deal. I wanted to get a bank involved. But at the end of the day, it's very difficult to get banks involved unless you're doing a lot of business with that bank. So is it possible that the owners of the Islanders are funding the arena and that they're all their banking business is done with UBS. I have no information except to tell you, I guarantee it. This UBS deal is about making sure they get banking business going forward. When the land around it gets developed, UBS is going to be a part of that. This is an all encompassing deal. UBS is going to come out and say, we're being good corporate partners. We want to make sure that this NHL team succeeds. We want to give them revenue and we want to give them a cash flow so they can sign great players and win Stanley Cups like it's the 1980s, Mike Bossy, Brian Trottier. And I think the goalie's name from memory, I was a Ranger guy, could it have been Glenn Resch? I don't think so. That sounds wrong. I think the goalie's name was Glenn something. In any case. No, UBS is doing because there's business. They've got to explain when you do a naming rights deal and you've got a $20 million outflow, you have to explain what you're getting in return. When City, JP Morgan named, when Citibank named City Field, not JP Morgan, City Field, Citibank, they were the banker that did the Mets deal. They got fees. It was Glenn Resch. Thank you, Coca. That's hard to imagine. By the way, this is all from Coca, that Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey is defunct. They went under in 2017. I used to love going to the circus. I went to the Big Apple Circus. They did a tent near Lincoln Center in New York City. It was called the Big Apple Circus. It was one ring circus, very small. You sit close. And then you realize that, wow, the animals are very likely being mistreated. How depressing is that? And then if you're lucky enough to ever go to Africa and go on a safari, then you'll never go to a zoo or a circus again but I digress completely. I'm going to digress just a little bit more right after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back. Digression's over. I want to remind everyone and thank you if you're listening to this. Wherever you get your podcast, please, you've already subscribed. If you haven't subscribed, it's a purple button, I think, or whatever color. You've got Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Subscribe. 
Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. In addition, there's a link where you can vote for us for podcast of the year in the sports category, which is be sort of fun if we get nominated. There's a chance voting goes through July 31st. This is a lot to get through, but one more. We have an end of month mailbag pod. Rate us on Apple. Get in there and ask a question. So you review, you put five stars, then you write a review, and then in the review, ask a question, and I do a mailbag pod. It's at the end of every month, and believe it or not, it's already July 22nd. Thankfully, it's July 22nd. Why am I thankful? Because tomorrow's July 23rd. I never thought this day would come. We are getting our beards off tomorrow. 129. Tomorrow will be day 130. be the last day of the beard challenge. There's got to be a first pitch at 7.08 p.m. I looked at the weather in Washington. There's a chance that it's going to be fine. But of course, who knows? I asked Harris Telemacher what the weather was going to be. And the answer is 72 and sunny. So that's that. By the way, please, could you get into my Twitter at David P. Sampson if you got and laughed at what just happened? because there's not going to be many. And for that, I apologize. I wanted to know what the weather was going to be like at Nationals Park tomorrow night. So I asked Harris Telemacher, and he told me 72 and sunny. Anybody? Anybody? You won't be sorry. So Coke and I are going to Heads Up Barbershop tomorrow night. We'll be there at 7 o'clock And at 7.08, I'll be in the chair, first pitch. Coco will film this beard getting taken off. I'll film his beard getting taken off. We're going to put some pictures out there because it's funny. I don't remember what his face looks like or mine, but I'm looking forward to getting back to it. Baseball's back tomorrow. But I'm still going to watch a movie every single day. You know that. I watch a movie. I watch a TV show. I watched a movie the other day that I came across in a very bizarre way. Uh, which is to say, I do the same thing every day. I go to Netflix, I go to Hulu, I go to Amazon, I look to see what's recent, I look to see what could be interesting. I won't watch a trailer because I don't want to have it ruined. I'll look to see if I enjoy any of the actors in the movie, and I'll say, hey, I'm in. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I first saw as an actor, as a little boy in A River Runs Through It. He played either Craig Sheffer or Brad Pitt as a, as a boy in that Move in that movie, A River Runs Through It, one of my favorite movies. He's in Inception. He actually wrote and directed a great movie that not enough people saw called Don John, which I loved. Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a pilot in 7500. 7500 is a code, I learned. I thought, I didn't know what it meant. When I think 7500, I was thinking 300 is a movie about fighting some sort of Game of Thrones, Braveheart-type movie, 7,500. Then I saw there was a plane involved. Does something happen at 7,500 feet? Is that an altitude issue? Is the movie 7,500 minutes? 7,500 apparently is what you call when you have lost the cockpit. This movie reminded me of the Ryan Reynolds, little acclaimed movie, but phenomenal, called, I want to say it was called Buried but I'm going way back in my mind. And that was filmed with Ryan Reynolds in a, basically a coffin, the entire movie. Well, 7,500 takes place only in a cockpit. That's the whole movie. And the cockpit gets taken over by two men. Wait to see why they're doing it. 
wait to see what happens. It is a fascinating movie. Imagine an entire movie just in the cockpit with no Peter Graves, no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but you do get Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's a short movie, maybe an hour and a half. His performance was average. The script was average. The sort of uniqueness of the movie was above average. All in all, hey, if you got an hour and 30 minutes, why not? 7,500 with Joseph Gordon Levitt. <sighs> what else happened today that's interesting to me? Uh, can we stop this, please? Can we stop with everyone saying that the Astros are being thrown at purposefully as some sort of payback by the players for all the sign stealing and garbage can banging? I'm watching games yesterday because games are back on and I can watch games now. The Royals were playing the Astros in a exhibition game, which means nothing and says less than nothing about the season. And two Astros got hit back to back, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. All of a sudden, I get famous, an alert on my phone, and the alert said, players haven't forgotten. Astros get beaned back to back. Of course, I look at the video. I watch it to make sure. Alex Bregman got hit with a, what I would call a one-two bases loaded breaking ball. If the Royals pitcher had been told to hit Bregman and chose to hit him with a breaking ball, do you know what I'm doing to that player? It's sort of simple, actually. I'm demoting him. I'm sending him to AAA. You don't hit someone with a breaking ball. You hit him with a heater right in the tuchus. And you don't do it with the bases loaded. So you think the Astros are going to be living this entire season worried that they're going to get hit by pitches? Do you think teams have an interest in having extra runners on base, especially in a season where we're almost positive that the ball is going to jump out of the yard as though it's got juice inside it. Wait for it, by the way. An early season prediction, home runs are going up. ERAs going up. Offense up. Defense down. Pitching down. They need ratings. They need excitement. You don't want extra runners on base ever. Are players still annoyed at the Astros? Yeah, but you move on. There are certain times that we had conflicts with another team that we would never forget. With the Marlins, we actually had it with the Expos, with Frank Robinson, and we would remember every time we had it with Tony Larusa and the Cardinals. We would never forget it. But the reality is, that it is in the best interests of teams to stop the narrative of thinking that to beat the Astros and to make them pay for what they did, we have to bean them. Now, keep in mind, of all the years, if you're going to bean someone, not a terrible year to do it because you can't rush them out. There's no brawls. Remember that? That's part of the health protocol, the 100-page manual. Anyone who rushes them out, anyone who engages in a brawl is a suspension. So there's not going to be any dugout clearing fights. There's not going to be anyone rushing the mound from the 
home from home plate. It's just not going to happen. So what I tell my guys, hey, go ahead now, hit them. You're going to be fine. No, because the retribution isn't from the bench clearing brawl. The retribution is when your best player gets beamed in the noggin by some young guy throwing a hundred because he has no idea where the ball's going. That was always my concern when we would engage in beanball is that we would not get beamed properly and one of our guys would get actually hurt. When you do beanball correctly, no one gets hurt. I mean, it hurts. It sucks. I mean, when you get hit by a pitch that's going 95 in the back of the numbers or on the tush, it's not pleasant. I mean, unless you're Paul Giamatti in billions, but the reality is it hurts. But this year, the Astros will not be hit by pitch any more than any other team, any more than they normally are because they lean in. They don't give you the inside of the plate. They're not scared of being hit. They're a good offensive team and having lost Garrett Cole to the Yankees, they're going to have to score more runs. Their rotation is a problem. Their bullpen's a problem. And they want to win another ring more than any other team, including the Yankees and Dodgers, because they want to prove they can do it without kicking garbage cans. Will it happen? Wait to see. Okay, I got another correction. I appreciate whoever sent this to me. Yesterday, I talked about the Pirates hosting the Blue Jays, and I read to you a statement by the Pirates president talking about their excitement in hosting, and I said it was Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams is the guy we traded to the Pirates in order to get one of their coaches as one of our coaches, a guy named Jim Benedict. We traded Trevor Williams. I said Trevor Williams was the president. Nope, it's Travis Williams. Sorry. Thank you for doing the corrections. You can go at David P. Sampson on Twitter, Instagram, wherever. Just find me because when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. When I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong and that'll be it. Okay, wait to see. Wait to see is when we say things are going to happen and either they do or they don't and we revisit it. In this segment, we promise you that if we get something wrong, we're fine with it. And we're going to remind you of that. Not a correction, just a prediction that went wrong. Well, today's Wait to See involves the Los Angeles Angels and Anthony Rendon. Do you remember that huge signing, that big free agent signing? And they were going to put Rendon along with Pujols and Otani. Remember that? Well, Joe Madden, their new manager, came out, and they're just not sure if Rendon's going to be ready for opening day. Wait to see. Rendon will not play opening day. They're going to be very cautious with him. Will it hurt the Angels' chance to make in the playoffs? No, that's their pitching. Rendon will be back, but when you got the oblique, you got a problem, and the Angels have a big investment, so they're not going to play him hurt. Why? You know why. It's simple. Even in a 60-game season, it's just business. It's nothing personal, Anthony. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot – 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.